Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Francisco Panenza. I am originally from Uruguay. Uh, I teach politics here at LSE. And I want to give you all a warm welcome to the London School of Economics. And if you haven't been here before, to this wonderful building. Um, it is a special pleasure for me for coming from Uruguay to welcome our guests uh, this evening. And I will briefly introduce them. <coughs> Um, first, I want to introduce Matthias Nespolov. Born in Buenos Aires in 1975, Matthias studied literature, going on to write poems, short stories, journalists, and then Seven Ways to Kill a Cat. His acclaimed first novel, which has been translated into English by Frank Wine, and is on sale outside this, <coughs> evening, this evening. He has been living in Barcelona since 2001, and in 2010, was selected by Granta as one of their best young contemporary Spanish language novelists. Seven Ways to Kill a Cat is set in Buenos Aires at the time of Argentina's financial crash and seen through the eyes of 20-year-old gringo. It tells the story of two boys on the cusp of adulthood which have no choice but to join the gang warfare that rules their community. What is the fiction of Buenos Aires rings true in every detail the barrio could be any place of urban deprivation. The book is recommended by English Pen. To my right, and who's going to comment on Matias' work, is Rolando Bonpadre. Rolando teaches Spanish and Italian at the University of Aberdeen, and is the author of La Víspera de los Asesinatos, which was among the finalists of the first premio to sketch editores de novela. He's currently working on a second draft of a novel set in Argentina in the 1990s. It's a political fiction dealing with a struggling democracy and with some of the consequences of the latest dictatorship in Argentina, 1976-23. And on the far left is Rosalind Harvey. He lived in Lima and Norwich, where she fell in love with Spanish and translation, respectively. She now lives in East London, where she translates Hispanic fiction. She's currently working as a translator in residence at London Free World Center and co-translated the latest novel by Enrique Villas Mata with Anne McLean. Her translation of Juan Pablo Villalobos' novel Down the Rabbit Hole has been long listed for the Guardian First Book Award. The title is also on sale at the bookstore outside the event. So uh, what we are going to do this evening is uh, as Matthias first to talk about 15 minutes about his work, then Rolando to um, comment it, and Rosalind will be translated. Um, just, I would like to finish saying that Seven Ways to Kill a Cat is supported by the English Pen Writers in Translation program. The program aims to celebrate book of outstanding liter literary value, dedication to free speech, and intercultural understanding. So Matthias, you can start. Bueno, eh, buenas tardes, eh, gracias a todos por estar aquí, eh, gracias a las autoridades del festival y, y a Francisco y a, y a Rolando. Good evening, thank you to everyone for coming and to everyone for organizing the festival and to Francisco. Eh, 
En el, en el extranjero hay una visión un tanto sesgada, parcial, de la literatura latinoamericana. Tal vez anclada en grandes, en grandes hitos, en grandes obras, eh, una de ellas podríamos tomar eh, como punto de referencia en años de soledad. Which perhaps has to do with certain key works such as A Hundred Years of Solitude. Y en los y en los últimos años tal vez la recepción en el mundo anglosajón de de Bolaño. And then also perhaps in the last few years to do with the reception of Roberto Bolaño in the English speaking world. En 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 ese abanico de, de temporal con casi cuatro décadas eh, han surgido muchísimos autores y, y, y escuelas narrativas que se escapan de, de lo que se popularizó en el exterior con el mote de realismo mágico. So in the in the four decades since magical realism became popular, there have been many other fictional modes that have arisen in Latin America, many very different from from that particular genre of magical realism. Una serie de, de autores ya no necesariamente jóvenes, como el, el colombiano eh, Vallejo, el cubano Pedro Juan Gutiérrez, eh, trabajan una literatura pegada a, 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 a los contenidos sociales y a, y a la realidad conflictiva. So, certain authors who who have appeared who write a certain kind of social, social realism literature. Autor de la, de la trilogía sucia de La Habana. Eh, que se escapan, se escapan de, del, del universo marcado por lo sobrenatural, verosímil, que de alguna manera de alguna manera eh, marcó una época, eh, definió una época eh, y a un grupo de, de, de narradores en los años 70 y comienzos de los 80, conocido como Realismo Más. Pedro eh, Juan Gutiérrez y, y Vallejo, en el caso colombiano, son autores ya mayores, no son necesariamente jóvenes, y se apartan de lo fantástico, verosímil, que de alguna manera eh, mm, definió el realismo mágico. So the authors that he mentioned moved away from the sort of realistic mode of, 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 of writing literature. A su vez hay, hay una serie de autores jóvenes eh, que trabajan sobre la violencia urbana, sobre eh, la marginación y, y con una carga política muy fuerte, nacidos en los 70s. So 
que podríamos identificarlo como un fenómeno transversal, no, no, no responde a un solo país latinoamericano, hay, hay casi un, una, una línea que atraviesa todo el continente, pienso en, en el mexicano Guillermo Fadanelli, Yuri Herrera. Hasta el Cono Sur, hasta el Río de la Plata, eh, donde hay una serie de, de, de autores que se atreven a, a trabajar con contenidos sociales más conflictivos, con un registro, un registro lingüístico, un slang eh, degradado. And there are a series of authors who write, who write are based in the Cono Sur, in the southern cone, who write a more, a literature more focused on social conflict. Eh, para nombrar algunos autores de, de mi generación eh, que siento cercanos, pienso también, por ejemplo, en Fabián Casas, eh, Ricardo Romero, eh, Marcos Herrera, Leonardo Loyola, son autores nacidos en los años 70. These authors um, were born in the 1970s, in which Matías considers to be of his generation. Fabián Casas, y nosotros eran, disculpen. Marcos Herrera, Marcos Leonardo Loyola, Ricardo Romero, eh, que se atreven a, a, a trabajar con una materia prima narrativa eh, conflictiva, con una materia prima narrativa inflamable, por decirlo de alguna manera. En mi caso, <coughs> puntualmente, no, casi no fue una decisión consciente o voluntaria eh, contar una historia eh, con un contenido social tan explícito, tan marcado. So it wasn't, it wasn't a conscious or voluntary decision on Matías's part to write a novel um, with such, with such a sort of social background to it. It was, but it just ended up happening sino que surgió de manera espontánea del propio relato, de la propia naturaleza de la historia. Y de seguir de cerca los pasos de, del personaje, del personaje narrador de, de mi novela, El Gringo. Um, from just following the footsteps of the, the narrator, El Gringo. No, no había una intención clara de, de, de practicar una ficción literaria tan pegada al realismo o a la, o a la documentación o al, o, al, o al documental. So there was no clear aim to write um, fiction so closely linked to documentary style or social realism. Pero sí la de reflejar fielmente otra, otra esfera social que generalmente no que queda fuera de la alta literatura. There was rather an aim to a desire to reflect another social sphere that stands outside of um, standard literature. Sí, una suerte de desafío 
de intentar eh, construir un relato literario, una ficción literaria, con un material eh, degradado, con un registro lingüístico degradado, que es el habla de la visa miseria de los barrios marginales. So he saw it as a kind of challenge to create literature from this sort of this this kind of language which is ignored by by high literature, the language spoken in the barrios of Buenos Aires. En la tradición literaria argentina, en la tradición literaria del Cono Sur, ese ese tipo de registro lingüístico, ese habla de la calle, habla de del crimen, habla de la cárcel. Históricamente podemos creer que que ha estado vedado para la literatura, la alta literatura. So this kind of language, the language of the street, of the prison, of crime, has traditionally been sort of blocked and ignored by Argentinian literature. Puede ser, tal vez, por por la influencia de Borges y del del grupo de la Vanguardia Sur y y por esa elevado elevado cosmopolitismo de de los grandes narradores argentinos, Borges o Cortázar. Which could be attributed to Borges and another separate as a sort of very um, high register sort of language. Que ese registro lingüístico, esa habla, ha, ha permanecido ausente. Creo que no es eh, arbitrario, no es casual que varios narradores jóvenes, como los que he nombrado, eh, en, la, en la última década a partir de, 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 podemos pensar que del crash argentino del 2001, se hayan decidido a, a, a trabajar con ese material. So it's not a coincidence that there are a few young writers who, since the, cri the crisis in Argentina in 2001-2002, decided to work using this kind of language in their fiction. No, no quiero plantear una idea determinista que, que la coyuntura social y política pueda llegar a, a influir de manera tan clara en la producción literaria de una época o de un grupo de autores, pero sí me parece que no es casual que este tipo de narrativa, más pegada a lo social y más pegada a un registro lingüístico no usual en, 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 la, en la letra, en la, en la, en la alta literatura, eh, ahora tengo espacio, tenga espacio y tenga como una, como una carta de ciudadanía. Line, one of the things so clear is to say that it's politics and what happened in Argentina that led to this kind of language being used, but there's certainly something there. Sospecho que tal vez esa realidad social conflictiva eh, que ha ido en aumento en la, en la última década, en los últimos años, eh, ha, se ha impuesto de, de manera soterrada, oculta, eh, ya y ha actuado en los narradores, ha, ha influido de alguna manera en los narradores para, para buscar su voz, para buscar su espacio. So, everything that's been happening in Argentina over the last few years has, in some way, had an impact on Argentinian writers and has come out in their writing. Durante la década de los 90, en, en la Argentina, se, se produjo un, un, un periodo de gran bonanza económica aparente donde las, las políticas neoliberales eh, causaron un gran impacto en el tejido productivo, en la economía real. 
de la zona. So in, in the 1990s there was a, an apparent wealth that arose in Argentina. Es, esa bonanza económica de los años 90, en donde los capitales extranjeros eh, compraban y licitaban em, empresas y servicios públicos, y donde el Estado se, literalmente se desmembraba, eh, acabó dando como resultado una economía justicia, un, un, un gran juego financiero eh, que que desembocó irremediablemente en el, en el crash, en la debacle del 2001. Y al mismo tiempo, esa degradación del tejido productivo de la economía real eh, sumergía a una, a una gran cuota, gran eh, parte de la clase media argentina <coughs> históricamente formada y, 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 y alfabetizada desde, desde comienzos de siglo, la sumergía por debajo de la línea de la pobreza. Y esa, esa masificación de la pobreza, de, de, de la extrema pobreza, eh, a mí me gusta pensar que de alguna manera ese problema social latente, esa, ese conflicto social, se impone por su propio peso y busca, busca por sí solo vías de, de expresión. So this massive increase in the levels of poverty in Argentina somehow seeks to find a way out. And it, and it finds its voice in, in the creative arts and literature. Más allá de la voluntad del, del autor individual, de la voluntad de los narradores y su humanidad literaria o, su, o sus objetivos literarios. And this happens regardless of what the author necessarily wants to do or the kind of genre they're working in. En mi caso, no, repito, no era consciente de, de, de eso hasta hasta muy avanzada la novela, muy avanzada la historia, la escritura, donde fui claramente, me di cuenta de la evolución del mismo personaje y, y su evolución de conciencia, podríamos decir. Es una novela de aprendizaje en donde el héroe eh, evoluciona desde una posición individualista, podríamos pensar uh, egoísta, de lucha por la vida, por la, so la supervivencia, mm -hmm. hacia una concepción más política, cole colectiva. So, Matías no estaba consciente de escribir una novela que would expresar algo que tenía que ver con esta realidad social, hasta que su protagonista empezó a evolucionar. Es una novela de edad, y se mueve de una visión individualista de la vida a ser más socialmente Y, y repito, eh, me gusta pensar que, que el, la, los conflictos sociales, el espíritu de una época se acaba imponiendo y buscando su propio camino de expresión, más allá de la voluntad creativa de, 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 cada, de cada individuo. So the, the social situation of a country where things have reached such a point that they just have to find an outlet is 
is what has taken over the novel, and this goes this goes beyond the author's will, what the author wants to write. Y me voy a quedar aquí paso la palabra a Rolando. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, well, first of all, um, good evening and thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you to the LSE Festival for inviting me to talk about literature, which is, as Garcia, Garcia Marquez would have said, the best thing more pleasant than literature itself. <laughs> <laughs> there may be other things undiscovered yet, but... <laughs> um, well, when, when, when I was thinking about this, um, or the title of this event, Latin American between social realism and uh, magical realism, which is basically uh, what, uh, what is the picture or the image that uh, literature gives us of Latin America, many problems started to me. Yeah. Hmm. The, first one, the first one is the, uh, the definition of Latin America itself, and what is, what is Latin America. And um, it's a it's a uh, <coughs> obvious problem of, of size. <coughs> Latin America is such a big, such a vast and complex territory uh, with uh, such a varied cultural, linguistic, political, historical, social, and economical realities that I think it's pretty hard for a fiction of uh, writer of fiction. Sorry. Uh, even to attempt an account, uh, to give an account of these realities. This is because, as, as you may uh, know, in the 1960s and the 1970s, it was uh, very fashionable in, in Latin American fiction, the idea of the total novel, la novela total. That was a, a <coughs> like Moby Dick in your, in your novel. It was sort of phantom, the, the equivalent of the great American novel for the Americans, our uh, total novel uh, in Latin American fiction. But this, um, this concept of the uh, total novel, so a, a fiction who can give an account of everything in Latin America, uh, it is at least very useful this, this evening for uh, moving to my next issue, which is what sort of, rea of, of relationships fiction and reality hold between themselves. And this is, as, as Matthias exposed a few minutes ago, it's a key fact, a key uh, thing when a writer of fiction mm, puts mm, uh, their hands on, on, on their work. And also because it implies a sort of ethical uh, issue for, for the novelist. Mm. Matthias, you can later talk about this, which is what sort of allegiance does the writer owe to these two extremes of the relationship, to the reality and to the fiction? Which, which sort of allegiance do they owe to the truth of fiction or to the truth of reality? I'm pretty sure that for every writer of fiction, their allegiance is to the fiction, not, not, to, the, not to the true uh, to the true word, but to his or her or word. What does that mean? I mean, I'm, I'm afraid this is not uh, great news for you, but this is basically that we are going to distort, change, even falsify reality in order to the work of fiction works. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is basically 
what we, at the end of the day, we want, which is that our work of fiction works. Otherwise, there's no fiction, there's no literature. To which extent can we modify the reality to the, to the limits of the verosimil in literature? So everything for a um, writer of fiction is in, is in fiction. And also because for us, the reality is the raw material with which we work. And if we want to produce something different, uh, a work of art or any sort of uh, uh, literary production, cinema, theater, whatever you like, we need to manipulate it. We need to manipulate reality. So, what are the truths of fiction? The truth of reality. And they hold, in my view, always. The, the, there is a relationship there always, even in the most um, outright productions like Vargas Llosa, to say something, which is a, a realist without any sort of adjective, to some other writers like the mentions, uh, like um, the ones that Matthias mentioned, like Borges or Cortázar, to, uh, to mention the most popular, uh, or at least translated into English, which are, which hold uh, not a very outright relationships with, with reality. But these, these relationships between fiction and reality always exist. What is the truth of fiction? The truth of fiction is not the truth of what actually happened. This is the truth of reality. But the truth of what may have happened, what, ha what may happen, or what will happen. Mm. So, The writer of fiction always looks for a deeper truth, a truth which is not in the surface. We need to drill, we need to look deeper for, um, for uh, putting up this, uh, this deeper truth, this truth of fiction. <coughs> The writer has to look for or have to find the voices of those who have no voice or the voices of those who ignore what their voices would say, including, of course, the writers themselves. Because I think um, a key fact in the, fact in, the, in the act of writing is that we discover the truth through the act of writing, not before. We do not have a truth before writing a work of fiction. And the truth in fiction help us to fill in the blanks and the, the blacks, the, the cracks, helps us to understand the truth of reality. And so this is sort of circle between truth of reality and truth of fiction. It is also, I think, a tainted relationship between reality and fiction. And when, when, when the novelist or uh, the author of fiction 
tries to put their hands on the raw material and the reality. It's very difficult to know where reality ends and where fiction starts. Why? Because if you think, or if we think, how, how reality is made of? We know that reality is made of facts, is made of words, but all these facts, all these words are mediated and manipulated, if you like, by the newspapers, by television, by academic production, even by gossips, even by prejudices, by our opinions. Everything creates an idea of reality. And to this idea of reality also contributes literature, cinema, theatre, arts in general. <coughs> so in a sort of way, literature or fiction in general is not challenged by reality but by these other discourses. Fiction has to measure itself with this <coughs> idea of reality. It has to look for the crack, uh, for the crack, sorry, where to sips till it, it reach the very bottom, the very end, which is its own <coughs> and unique truth. So what is left for literature? What the other discourses cannot say, what the other discourses cannot see. I, I always remember um, one of my favorite writers, the, the French writer uh, Standard. It's a, it's a very well-known passage in, in Scarlet and Red, in Rojo y Negro, in which he says that the novel is like a mirror all along a river. This is a novel for the realism in the 19th century. I will not contradict my master, but we know now that the image that comes back from this mirror is a distorted one. It's not the um, loyal image that we will see in a mirror. And this is the work of literature. So what is, once again, left for fiction? Once again, I will, I will quote Stendhal, and what, what is left for literature is the human heart, to know the human heart. Everything which is left outside reality, feelings, reasons, passions, ordinary people's life, again, the words that nobody else can say, the words that we didn't even know that we knew. So we are, in literature, uh, following a very narrow path, the, the, the path that the other discourses left for literature. And this narrow path becomes even narrower when we realize that literature is tradition. We cannot, we cannot read everything. That's, that's impossible. So what, what we know of literature are traditions. And every novelist, every uh, author of fiction, know, um, consciously or not, inserts themselves in a tradition. 
and the tradition once again makes even narrower the path for the for the writer. Just just an example. Uh, once again, talking about Latin American literature. As you know, in Latin American literature, it exists the novel of the dictator. And it's a very long tradition. And if I wanted to write a novel about a dictator, of course, it would be advisable to know one of them, unluckily. <laughs> but also, as important as that, as that would be to know what the other authors in this particular tradition, in this particular tradition, have written about dictators. Bashir Klan, Asturias, García Márquez, Vargas Llosa, Roa Bastos, etc., etc. As I said, this is a very uh, well-established tradition in Latin American literature. But who was the first writer to write a novel about a Latin American dictator? A Spanish one. And many of these Latin American authors have been influenced by writers not writing in, in Spanish, but in English, in French, in different languages. So this is, this is to, to say that Latin American tradition, Latin American literature, is not also written in Spanish, but now it's also written in English, in French, and in other languages, basically because since the 1970s, many people have emigrated, had to leave their countries for political or economical reasons, and their children are now writing in English or in Spanish, uh, sorry, or in, or in French. So I think that, again, to reinforce this, this idea of a narrow path, now our tradition is an open door, it's a dialogue, a bargain, if you like, between different books, different authors, different traditions, and new perspectives. Talking about magical realism and social realism, one, um, when, when I started thinking about this, this talk, my very first question was, why once we think about Latin American literature, we think about magical realism? Why so seductive? Why <coughs> readers outside Latin America demand so much magical realism from Latin American authors? And this is not the case of Latin American readers, I think. My idea is, apart from, from uh, the own merits of uh, magical realism, and especially of uh, 100 years of solitude, <coughs> magical realism was, was able to capture a political moment in Latin America. Latin America was, in the 70s especially, when 100 years of solitude uh, was published, to our crowd in, in Buenos Aires. Uh, Latin America seemed the land where everything was possible. If we think that those times, the Cuban Revolution, the idea, uh, the mythical idea of Che Guevara, the idea of 
revolution spreading itself in many ways all around the subcontinent. That was the idea of that we have at our hands reach the possibility of changing the world. And when we read 100 Years of Solitude and we see these people flying like, like butterflies or that people living 200 years or all these magical things that happen in 100 Years of Solitude, what we, what we get is that as in 100 Years of Solitude, as in Macondo, everything seemed possible in Latin America. This is, in my opinion, the strength, but also the feeblest point of magical realism. If we think that a writer is a gaze on the world, for me, magical realism is an, is, is an eye fix, fixed in a particular moment of Latin America. And many things have happened since the publication of 100 Years of Solitude, so probably we need to move on and to look for different ways to approach Latin America, uh, Latin American uh, reality. For me today, magical realism appears anachronistic and eventually, ultimately, forced and forced today. But it was 40 years ago a key uh, way to understand Latin America. So, on the other hand of our uh, options, of our menu, we have social realism. Is it, is it social realism the way to capture today's Latin American reality? As a writer of fiction, I would say that we, we need to discard everything which is previous to the fact of writing a fiction. I think we need to sit, to sit and write the fiction because once again a writer of fiction must discover reality through their own work, not before. So if I choose magical realism or social realism, I am in, in, a, in a certain way, um, as we say in Spanish, putting the cart before the horse. Mm. I, um, I, I, I would like to refer to two, um, two novels which probably helped me uh, with, with these with this ideas about what, what sort of uh, realism we need today, or, or, or better, uh, what can other realisms can offer to a writer or a reader today? One is uh, Conversation in the Cathedral by uh, Mario Vargas Llosa, a novel published in, in 1969, which is, as you know, the story of a dictatorship uh, in 1948 and uh, 1956. Mm. The novel is simply great. It shows the dictatorship, it, it, it shows all the social levels of a country under dictatorship. But I think the, the, the greatest success in uh, Vargas Llosa's novel is his main character, Zabalita, which is a sort of 
alter ego of, of himself. Because Avalita is put in the novel in the middle of two terrible pincers. Mm -hmm. One of the branch of these pincers is <coughs> the political system, a dictatorship, mm -hmm. which ruins his life, uh, sorry, his life and the lives of all the people in, in, in the country under, under the dictatorship. But also the other branch of these pincers is the revolution itself. Because revolution proves unable to change his life and the lives of his fellow citizens. So this is, I think, a gaze into what would happen in the future. We are talking about 1969, still the idea of revolution very, uh, very strength, uh, very alive. But Vargas Llosa, through his novel, was able to say something that probably he didn't knew at this time, and also his political development uh, corroborated what he uh, said in that novel. The other example is, is uh, Matthias' novel, Seven Ways to Kill a Cat, who was published exactly, uh, let me see, 40 years after, in 2009. Uh, <coughs> To, to uh, <coughs> 40 years after Vargas Llosa's uh, conversation with the cathedral. As, as Francisco said, this is a, um, a story set in an unnamed, violent, really violent, and uh, lawless server in the greater Buenos Aires. And when, when reading Matias' novel and thinking about this talk, my question was, does, does this novel talk only about Argentina and Argentina at the beginning of the uh, new century? I said that we have abandoned this idea of the total novel, but I think we can replace this idea of the total novel with the idea of a movable fiction. I'm sorry, I, I, can, I, couldn't, I couldn't find a better, a better description, but what I'm trying to say is that Probably Matthias thought of his novel set in Buenos Aires, but a reader in Peru or a reader in Uruguay, in Brazil, would feel that what he's telling in his novel is happening in their cities, their countries, even their neighborhoods. So the fiction, we can, with the fiction, we cannot describe the whole reality, but the reader can move this piece of fiction to the places if he or she feels that it's telling <coughs> him or her at this, this deeper truth. And I think if a reader does that, if, if a reader moves a fiction like, like Matthias to his or her own place, this is a proof that Latin America exists, that, that Latin America exists. If we don't have a common reality, even we are starting to talk different languages, different, different slangs, if a reader does that, it is a proof, again, for me at least, that Latin America exists. To start to conclude, 
I think, um, I don't know whether we can uh, classify these, these novels as social fiction, because I think a writer always has to think about the individual, the particular of every character, of every situation. I am a bit reluctant to the idea of these characters or these situations who represent a group or a social class. I think the true, the honest fiction must always look for the particular, not for the social, not for the general. If we reach this particular truth, we can or we are able to reach a more general truth. But as a writers of fiction, we must not forget that we are dealing with a story, with the characters, and not with general problems. Coming, uh, so, um, here intervenes somebody who has not been uh, mentioned before, which is the reader. And it's, a, it's an essential part of, of the whole process. Why? Once again, I will, I will take Matthias' novel as an example. At the end of the novel, I'm not telling you the, uh, the, the ending, but at the end of the novel, this main character, El, El Gringo, joins what in Argentina at those times was a, a, a very common way of uh, manifest, of protest, which was a picket. Streets uh, were um, cut and they hold uh, very serious um, uh, fights against police, basically, with, with uh, deaths, of course, unfortunately, again. But what, what the reader is asked is what the novel <coughs> does not say. What future do these people have? Or better, is there any future for these people? The novel, very wisely I think, does not provide an answer. So is it for us to complete this fiction and to imagine what would happen to a gringo and all his friends. And the other thing is, is the author describing the whole of Latin America in his novel? Of course not. But what, what he is doing is describing the drop that contains the ocean, in which what is in the drop is as important as what is left outside the drop. And again, it is for the reader to complete this picture, to put the word around this very uh, poor neighborhood and these uh, characters in this very um, strange situation. Also, also in Matthias' novel, um, El Gringo says something which is uh, for me a, um, a truth and it is that nobody can live an experience till the very end of the experience otherwise it would be impossible to come back and to tell what happened but if somebody reaches the very end of a vital experience and of course 
he or she cannot come back to tell us. It is for the novelist, for the author of fiction, to tell us the story, to tell us how the experience, the, this experience was, to give the words and the voice of this person who cannot tell us what happened. So, to finish, I started uh, asking myself and you what is Latin America? Or what is the image, the picture that literature gives us of Latin America? Like what happened in the definition of reality, in the definition of Latin America, many discourses intervene. And among them, of course, that of literature. So who decides then what Latin America is? Once again, I'm throwing you the ball, it is the reader. If, if the reader, at the end of the day, decides that this fiction or other fictions are Latin America, then this is Latin America. Why? Just because this reader would, would feel or would have felt in that definition would have felt that deeper truth that literature has contributed to establish. Thank you very much and I hope it was clear. Hello. Um, I'm surprised uh, none of the panel so far have mentioned, or have not mentioned rather, Isabel Allende. What are the reasons for this? Bueno, yo creo que Rolando ha analizado muy bien el momento de histórico que definió de alguna manera los trazos del realismo, del realismo mágico, de lo que se conoció como realismo mágico. Y personalmente, esto es una opinión mía, si bien Isabel Allende es una grandísima autora y una, una gran profesional, eh, creo que entra dentro del universo epigonal de la escuela del, del realismo mágico, de lo que se transformó como una escuela del realismo mágico. Eh, Laura Esquivel es otro, sería otro ejemplo. Personalmente, no sé lo que opina Rolando, pero creo que no aportaron mucho más allá de, de esas pequeñas genialidades eh, expresivas o narrativas que... Que, que podríamos decir que desarrolló García Márquez o que con anterioridad también desarrolló Rulfo una o dos décadas antes o Carpentier, o Carpentier por ejemplo. Uh, so in his opinion, he thinks that Isabel Allende is a very, a very good, great writer, and also he mentioned Laura Esquivel, another writer, a Mexican writer. Um, que, que personalmente creo yo que, que no han aportado innovación, no han aportado algo más a esa sí. manera de narrar, a, esas, a esos procedimientos desarrollados por 
So he, in his opinion, they, they haven't provided anything other, anything necessarily innovative to this, to this genre. Yeah, I, 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 basically, I basically agree with that. Um, in, 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 I mean, one, one of the things that, that Garcia Marquez says is that, or, or, or one of the things that Garcia Marquez claims is that he has, he has used magical realism only in one uh, novel. So one, one tends to uh, associate the whole body of uh, Garcia Marquez um, work with magical realism. But we are not going to find magical realism but in 100 years of solitude. And I think in one or two tales, uh, short stories, sorry. Um, so my, my impression uh, with the author that, that um, you mentioned and, and Matthias added is that magical realism has become in their hands a sort of technique. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not, 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 uh, not uh, something that happened through uh, the process of writing, like one feels when, when one uh, reads Garcia Marquez. This is, this is my impression. Uh, also, it's, it's very interesting uh, from the cultural point of view um, how, we, how we read in Latin America uh, magical realism and how magical realism is read outside, um, uh, outside Latin America. Yes. But in Latin America we think basically that Every, everybody but uh, Garcia Marquez writing or using magical realism is a commercial author. Mm -hmm. Good or bad that he or she is, uh, we, are not, uh, we are not supposed to write to use magical realism. I, I, um, again, my opinion was, uh, was that it, it is fixed uh, in a particular <laughs> moment of uh, of the Latin American <coughs> recent history. Um, and that, that's why I think uh, most of the authors uh, writing in, in, in Latin America don't, don't use uh, magical realism. Because for, for their the work, magical realism is previous to the work itself. While in Garcia Marquez's work, Magical realism appeared through his writing, through his process of writing. Probably, probably he wasn't conscious of of creating magical realism. Probably, magical realism was sort of label that appeared after the publication or the ending of One Hundred Years of Solitude. This is this is my, my impression, <coughs> at least. Si me gustaría añadir alguna cosa más, estoy, estoy de acuerdo con, con, con tu análisis. Tal vez el problema eh, con una serie de autores que podríamos llamar los epigonales es que han tomado la herencia de, de, de García Márquez y han, y han cogido solo, han tomado solo la, la técnica narrativa, solo lo formal y han de alguna manera vaciado la, la, el contenido político de síndromes manejos de síndromes de soledad hay, hay, hay varios elementos hay, políticos muy claros escenas la matanza de las palaneras eh, y demás 
you know, perdón. Maybe the problem with the series of authors who, who came after García Márquez is that they just took the technical element, the magical realism, and ignored some of the other elements, such as the politics. Y no, no hay que olvidar de, de dónde viene García Márquez, de dónde viene Gabo, de su formación como reportero y de, y de un libro que es uno de sus libros primerizos, pero que es realmente muy, muy relevante, que es Relato de un náufrago, que es un testimonio político, es, es un relato eh, que se transforma casi en un arma arrojadiza, es un arma política. So we mustn't forget where García Márquez came from, his background as a, as a journalist. One of, his, one of his best and earliest novels, which in English I think is called um, Story of a Shipwrecked Sailor. Si, si luego esa utilización del fantástico verosímil, para llamarlo de alguna manera, mm-hmm. eh, donde las doncellas pueden salir volando, mm-hmm. convertidas en ángeles, ayudadas por Samas y demás, o puede llover durante cuatro años seguidos, eh, funcionó en una, en una determinada manera, en, en, en un determinado momento, para dar cuenta de ese mundo que describía muy bien Rolando, eh, siempre era en función también de, un, de, una, de una profundidad social y política de la historia, no era solamente un recurso narrativo para asombrar al lector. So it wasn't just a, a narrative uh, method or resource, this way of, this way of writing fiction. <laughs> los recursos los fantásticos funcionaban dentro de un contexto con una funcionalidad también una, con una finalidad política Yeah, hi. Um, thank you for your presentation. Uh, my name is Rula Palo, and I am from Berbeck. Yeah, hi. Um, thank you for your presentation. My name is Rula Palo, and uh, I am from Berbeck College in London. Um, my question tonight is: um, You have presented um, here um, a juxtaposition of uh, critical um, and social realism to explore the social crash that happened as a result of um, um, foreign foreign direct investment in Latin America, as far as my understanding went. Uh, do you think that uh, these two uh, in juxtaposition uh, with each other are um, enough to present uh, the social um, reality in uh, Latin America or maybe some uh, more uh, paradigms are needed to uh, complement. I, I, 
I would not say any different from, from what I've said. Uh, there, there are many realities, many social realities. When, when we think about social realism, we think basically about what, what um, social classes that, that, that Matthias describes in his novel, which are um, the lowest, really the poorest among the poorest. But there's also the other side of the coin. And, um, but but when, when a writer of fiction uh, writes, I mean, uh, this, is, this is probably your opinion as well, we need to think not in social problems, but we try to see, we try to understand what our characters uh, think, feel. Uh, so I, I, I think that this, this sort of labels come afterwards. And, and I think it's not good for a writer to think beforehand about, about all these things. I think um, we, 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 try to, we, we need to understand our story, our characters, and if we are saying the truth, if we are discovering or we are saying something new, the rest will appear. The, re the rest will be completed uh, <coughs> by the reader. I think. I think in this case we cannot we cannot say <coughs> everything. It is impossible, and it is as a strategy of writing, uh, not not a very good one. We, uh, as again, I, I will I will quote. Garcia Marquez saying, we always need to think that the, ra that the reader is more intelligent than us. Garcia Marquez says that, and, and I think uh, it's, a key, uh, it's a key definition. The reader is more intelligent than us. Don't, don't try to explain, don't try to say everything. And this is also the, the, only, uh, the only way of, of going um, a reader. So, Again, when, when I write, I, I don't think about social problems. I don't think about uh, representing somebody, representing some groups, some, some political parties. I try to understand my characters. And if, again, if there is some truth in that, the rest will appear, even by contrast. Creo que estoy, que estoy de acuerdo con, con, con tu opinión y yo añadiría eh, no, solo, no solo el, el lector eh, no es tonto, sino que eh, generalmente el texto de ficción, la ficción, eh, acaba siendo más listo que el autor. So he, he agrees with, with Rolando, and it's not just that the reader is more intelligent, but the literary text itself becomes more intelligent than the writer. Eh, entonces, claro, este, este, este juego entre dicotomías tal vez no, no, no nos alcanza a, o no nos, no, no nos da abasto para explicar la realidad literaria de todo el continente. And this, this, dichot this dichotomy doesn't, in order to explain the... La, 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 el mapa literario de, de todo el continente. Sí, el literary map of the whole continent. Entre, entre realismo mágico y realismo social o realismo sucio hay, hay claro, infinidad de, 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 de realismo si se puede llamar de alguna manera 
So there are many kind of realisms between magical realism, social realism, dirty realism. There are thousands of realisms in between all of these. Realismo eh, en sí mismo es una palabra tal vez un poco pretenciosa. Eh, solamente la podemos seguir utilizando si la entendemos según el bueno de Stendhal, en el sentido más amplio posible. So perhaps realism is a slightly pretentious word and we can only carry on using it if we understand it in the way that Stendhal used it. Yo estoy convencido de que cada autor, cada narrador eh, tiene una determinada poética narrativa, una determinada, responde a su propia escuela. So every writer has their, their own determined fictional poetics and they respond to their own style, their own way of writing. Y si lo vemos en los hechos, si lo vemos eh, con ejemplos puntuales, ese, esa escuela literaria más apretada, más bien definida de los últimos 50 años en la literatura latinoamericana, que es el llamado boom del realismo, entre esos cinco jinetes o cuatro jinetes, depende de quién, de quién incluya, <coughs> incluyan. So the supposed five horsemen of, uh, of the Latin American boom. Creo que no tienen absolutamente nada que ver, por lo menos así lo siento yo como lector. Entre García Márquez, Margallosa, Carlos Fuentes, mm -hmm. Hortaza o Donoso. So that's, yeah, they don't necessarily have anything to do with each other, this style. No tienen nada que ver. Y... Todos ellos, todos ellos. And also Onetti created a, a mythical place, Santa María. Exactly. That was before uh, García Márquez Macondo. Exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. Eh, más, más allá de, 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 de eso, de, de lo que yo creo que no se puede hablar de, de, de escuelas o de entre ficción y no ficción, entre crónica, periodística y trabajo de ficción. So we can talk about the distinction between fiction and non-fiction, um, where it's not necessarily, we can't necessarily talk about schools or movements of writing. Y ahí es la única, el único elemento para, para analizar que deberíamos tener en cuenta es que la verdad de la ficción eh, surge de otra manera. So that's the only way we have of analyzing it, and that the truth of fiction comes about in some other way. No surge solo de la observación, el estudio. It doesn't just come about through observation and study of reality. Y la fidelidad o la honestidad con que eso se transforma en un relato. And the honesty with which this is turned into a, a story. Sino que la verdad del la verdad de la ficción surge del mismo juego entre las palabras, del mismo juego creativo. And the truth in fiction comes from the game between the words, the wordplay, and the way that we use them. Y es cierto lo que decía, lo que decía Rolando, cuando la intencionalidad política o representativa va por delante de un narrador, lo pierde. And if, if, if a writer puts um, political will or intention before the power of writing, then it gets lost. La única fidelidad que debería tener, según mi opinión, que debería tener un narrador es con la propia historia, con la historia que debe ser contada.
just one question, last question. Um, I haven't been to Latin America. I didn't have the opportunity yet. Uh, but uh, my question is, um, you mentioned neighborhoods within your framework. And what is the opportunity out there who, who, who have never been taught literature, who never studied literature, who don't know literature to write literature in Latin America, in neighborhoods and in, in the regions, and especially in the poorest neighborhoods of Latin America? And what is the opportunity there for those with special needs? such as partially sighted, partially blind, partially deaf, to write literature and to influence politics in Latin America and beyond. Pues, eh, <coughs> pues es muy duro reconocerlo, pero eh, las oportunidades son más bien escasas o nulas. Eh, It's difficult to acknowledge it, but there are little or no opportunities. Eh, creo que de alguna manera eh, sin ser cínico hay que reconocerlo eh, no solo es una, una realidad social de mi país de Argentina eh, sino que es com compartida en todo el continente la, la, la polarización social y la diferencia de clases es cada vez más pronunciada la pauperización de las clases medias y, al, y a lo que se añade otra serie de problemas muy nuevos que son como que por ejemplo la violencia de la droga en, en México y demás mm -hmm. eh, un problema que no era tal hace 40 años 30 años. Entonces no hay que ser hipócrita y hay que reconocer cuáles cuál son las oportunidades reales de esos cambios sociales, pues yo creo que, que ninguna o muy pocas. Eh, no quita que... que que tal vez te veas impulsado a, a, a reproducir su voz o a tomar su voz en, en un relato, a, a hacer uso de ella, pero siempre desde el respeto y sin tratar de, de, de manipularla y, y direccionarla hacia algún fin que no es el tuyo. So even if you try and use these voices of people who do not have a voice in your literature, you have to do so without being hypocritical. You try not to twist them, try not to use them. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I basically agree with, with Matthias and this is a very uh, this is a very sad reality and I add that probably if any it will go worse and not and not for the better. Uh, unfortunately. After uh, after I'm I'm now talking about Argentina but after the big crack of 2001, 2002 Um, in which half of our population was under the line of poverty. Now we feel that we are much better and everything, but we haven't yet uh, reached the levels of 1994. After 10 years of the crisis and 10 years, as our government says, uh, of uh, growing like China, 9% per year, we have not yet reached the standards we had in, uh, in 1994. And in 1994, the situation wasn't great. It wasn't, it wasn't as, as Matthias said, 
it was in, in, in uh, macroeconomical terms was very good the public uh, the public situation was perfect but it was the increasing poverty the increasing marginalization of people like in the neighborhoods that Matthias Nobel uh, describes uh, but without um, without assuming a, a, a role that literature has not to play, this is one of the this is one of the uses of literature to give voice to people who otherwise have no voice. <coughs> because uh, once again, taking taking Matthias Novus uh, as an example, we were talking about this uh, just before starting the talk. It is quite unlikely that somebody of Matthias' characters, let's say, would read his novel or would write a novel. Uh, and this is very sad. But on the other hand, we have a voice who's telling us how these people may think, what they need. <coughs> or, or we can say our own words through their eyes, through the other side of the fence. Um, I haven't mentioned um, another novel that uh, that I really love, an author that I, I, I really love, which is uh, Joseph Conrad. And I think Joseph Conrad wrote the best political novel uh, about Latin America. I don't know if, if you have read Nostromo. Hmm. It's an excellent novel. And I think it's the best novel about, um, about Latin, American, Latin American politics. At the end of Nostromo, <laughs> there is a dialogue between a, cyn a, um, a cynical, a cynical medic uh, doctor uh, who's in love with, uh, with um, um, Mrs. Mrs. Gout, and Mrs. Gout asks him where, when the problems will end, and Dr. Monihan replies, <coughs> never, because the next step is a social question. It's people asking for their own rights, workers uh, asking, claiming for a better uh, world for, for themselves. And Nostromo, as you know, was written in, in 1904. So he was advancing, Conrad was advancing uh, a situation that is happening today. Whether, the, whether our political uh, class will face successfully these this problems or not is another story. But it was literature. It was a Polish author writing in English as his third language who saw the problems of Latin America during the, the 20th century. Again, that was the literature uh, task. What politicians do is a different story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unfortunately. Can I use the chair privilege to uh, just a very brief comment and then a question? Uh, uh, I think in coming from somebody who, whose work is, is teach politics. Uh, what I like about your novel is how politics is understated rather overstated. It's not in your face. It's not there to send a message to preach. It's just something very subtle in the model and think it works wonderful in that way. But also I want to pick on what uh, Rolando said. You, you said that uh, Conversación La Catedral was uh, about, partly at least about the dreams crushed by the failure revolution. And I wonder whether uh, what you show in, the mod in your novel is about also people that have their life crushed by the failures of democracy, because I, I think at that time, 
was a democracy for the 15 years or so. And in that sense, uh, if you are going to, if you would write a novel today, in Argentina today, it would be the same novel or would be something different. Can you just say the last thing? Yes, I Probablemente la historia sería otra, pero, pero sospecho que, la, que la, 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 el contenido de fondo de, 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 de ese relato, de esa historia, no, no, no sería muy diferente, no, no cambiaría eh, en mayor grado. The story would probably be different, but the essential content probably wouldn't have changed that much if he wrote the story today. Más allá de la de la localización geográfica y temporal concreta, creo que tiene tiene elementos que trascienden un poco esa esa particularidad. So beyond the geographical location and the setting of the novel, there are there are elements that transcend all of these all of these sides to it. La historia está ambientada, podríamos pensar meses antes de la debacle del crash del 2001, en un barrio en un barrio marginal del extrarradio de Buenos Aires. So it's set a few months before the crash in a a barrio on the edges of Buenos Aires. Pero si, si quisiera ahora mismo contar una historia sobre, con, esas, con esas coordenadas, diez años después, eh, me encontraría con elementos recurrentes e incluso empeorados. En Argentina, puntualmente, en la última década, eh, después del, de, de, del crash, se ha, se ha dado una, una, una conjunción de elementos que han permitido una gran expansión económica, una gran bonanza económica nuevamente. En los 10 años después del crash, había una década de gran expansión económica. Y avances sociales eh, muy importantes y avances eh, incluso a nivel de salud democrática. El gobierno, el gobierno de, de Kirchner y luego el de, el de, el de su mujer, Cristina Fernández, eh, activó una serie de, 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 de leyes que daban un paso atrás con, con, con la... la, la eh, se volvió a juzgar a los, a los militantes del proceso. Eh, a los a los a los a los militares y a los a los militares responsables de crímenes contra la humanidad. So the government of uh, Kirchner put forward a series of leyes, a series of laws, and um, a lot of the members of the military who were responsible. Se dio un paso atrás en las, a, a las leyes que a la, a la ley de punto final, a la ley de obediencia de vida, que intentaban de alguna manera eh, no me sale la palabra. Clausurar, Clausurar un, un, un pasado incómodo. There was an attempt to give a sort of sense of closure to an awkward, uncomfortable past. 
Eh, y, a, y a nivel educativo y de salud pública se han hecho bastantes avances. Sin embargo, eh, la, 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 el índice, el índice de, de, de vida, el, el índice, la, la, la calidad de vida de las, de las clases bajas no, no ha mejorado en absoluto. There were certain advances in terms of education, for example, but the quality of life has not improved. Las villas miserias siguen siendo, siguen siendo casi un, una especie de gueto mm -hmm. para, para una gran masa de la población cada vez mayor. Que tienen sus equivalentes en toda Latinoamérica, las favelas de Brasil, los cantegriles de Uruguay. So these shanty towns have equivalents all across Latin America, favelas equivalent in Brazil, Villa Miserias in Argentina. Y la, la, la prueba está en que la noticia internacional de Argentina en los, del último mes ha sido una masacre ferroviaria por un accidente eh, absurdo, pero es que deja claramente, da claras señales de cómo está, cuál es el, 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 la situación del transporte público para esas clases necesitadas. Un, un, un accidente ferroviario muy tonto, un convoy que entró a la estación a 20 km por hora, pero no pudo frenar porque son, son trenes que tienen 40 años y donde no han sido... No, no, no han sido mantenidos o ha, ha habido una, re, una reinversión para mejorar la calidad de vida de varios millones de personas que, que, que toman ese, ese transporte público cada día. Al llegar a la estación a 20 km por hora, ha chocado contra la barrera de convención, se quedó sin frenos, se plegó como un acordeón, se murieron más de 50 personas. Eso lo dice todo. Un, un, una economía con un 7% de, de incremento del PBI, del Producto Interior Bruto anual, en los últimos 5 o 6 años, que se planteaban grandes inversiones y grandes eh, programas a nivel continental, no puede mejorar <coughs> la calidad de transporte y la calidad de vida de, de, de su población. Doesn't improve its its public its um, public transport for the poor. We have to use it. Okay. No, I I, I agree with with Matthias. It's, it's very telling this this sad story and politically could be very serious and very damaging for for a president who six months ago won the election uh, with the uh, 54% percent of the mm. of the votes. But yeah, 51 people died in a very silly accident <coughs> in which the brakes of the train failed. And the, and, and the other thing is the, the explanation from the, from the government were really pathetic. I mean, the, the, it, it, they, they as, as we say in Spanish, they give us vergüenza uh, I don't know how to translate <laughs> But really, saying that the, 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 day, the day before the tragedy, uh, it was... Um, It was a public holiday, and 
you could see the, the Ministry of Transport saying, if this could, uh, had happened yesterday, this would not have been a tragedy because many uh, many people would have not traveled <coughs> to the west. And the other thing, the other thing he said was, as you know, this is a very cultural point in 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 our country by which people tend to use the first two wagons, so they they can get out first and they run to the to the buses and they don't do queues. So most of most of the people who died uh, died for their own fault because they were in the first wagons. All sorts of this explanation. I mean, it was. I mean, it's really telling what's what's happening, what's going on in our country when when your government says things like that. When they cannot explain why they spend 3.5 million million dollars every day in railways and tragedies like that happened. Last year there was another one, mm. uh, a bus. I mean, anyway, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that, but this is the situation. Um, Can before, I just ask one? Uh, sorry, we have run out of time. Um, before we thank the participants, I just invite you outside. There will be some music and drinks, so you can relax and calm down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. <laughs>